Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Jerusalem to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Rabbi Mike Foyer joins us today. Rabbi Mike, Shana Tova. Shana Tova, Ishai. It's great to see you. It's great to be with you uh, here at the Pardis Institute in Jerusalem and on the Land of Israel Network on the Ishai Fleischer Show. And it's great to be with you here a few days before Rosh Hashanah. Um, Yom Kippur. Before Yom Kippur. You're a little discombobulated. I'm a little discombobulated. That's because I am in the midst of moving. My house is full of boxes, and 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 I'm not in my really in my old place in my soul, and I'm not in my new place, and therefore I am like God, who became, so to speak, discombobulated when 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 when, when the Jewish people went into exile. Yeah, and it's very seasonal, you realize, because we're kind of moving from the old year to the new year. We haven't taken up our new residence, which is going to happen, please God, in the coming week when we get to Sukkot, when we all move into our new spiritual home for the coming year. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, had a, uh, I heard you had a great Rosh Hashanah this year. It was very strong. It was Beautiful. strong. I, I, I love the three-day holiday. Right. Is regular Israeli folks, uh, native Israelis, native-born Israelis, they complain about three-day holiday. We... Uh, Anglos coming from the uh, Western countries love it, right? It's like fun. You get to have deep time with your kids and family. It's just such a wealth of time. Time. I'll tell you that that I have never felt more wealthy in time than um, I, I daven before sunrise on Rosh Hashanah. It's my custom. And get up, go to the mikvah, get to shul. I'm like one of those guys that has to be in shul first. And then by the time I got to the Shmona Asr, to the silent prayer, I just felt this incredible sense of like, potential just like like my wings spread it was just unending time like reeling out before me okay really folks, amazing so so th- this is some good advice for yom kippur this year get there early oh yeah hit the mikvah before yom kippur one of the best things about yom kippur actually is that since you're not eating there's actually nothing else to do right it's really it's really it's not a day the the the, the uh limitations from wearing leather shoes, but also from eating and drinking and washing thyself and also uh, marital relations. It's not really there as a kind of punishment. Some people think of it as like a, as a day of atonement and punishment in that sense. It's rec- actually a day free of distraction. Well, you know, and that actually is rooted in the words of the Torah says, right? You shall, now the question is, how do you translate inui? You, people often will translate it as, you'll be sort of caused to suffer. Affliction. Affliction. Afflict. Affliction, that's a big one. Right, but the reality is what inui is, is to strip something down to its essence. Mm-hmm. Right, that's why matzah, Right, the unleavened bread is called lechem oni. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not just because it's the bread of poverty in the sense that poor people eat it, but it's the bread which is nothing other than its essence of uh, a water word. and flour. There's a word. There's a word in English when when things are brought down to their base thing when it's kind of uh, there's a few of them uh, stripped down to its essential essence. Essence, yeah, okay. So that's <coughs> what the day is. You strip it down to the essence. I have an excellent meditation, but it works really only on, on Pesach for some reason I found, which is uh, I think about the ego, and I like to imagine myself and my ego as a, as a fluffy bread. <laughs> and then as a I bagel, breathe perhaps. out, <laughs> no, like a fluffy, airy bread. Yeah, yeah. And then as I breathe out, I breathe in, it's fluffy, and I breathe out, it reduces itself to matzah, and my ego reduces itself to matzah. To what I need to survive, to the to, to, to the essential, and and I find that that's a great meditation to come back. Um, ego, it's a big issue. We should have a talk one day about about the issues of ego in general. That'd be a good one for the beginning of Genesis. Yes, 
Yes, and that's coming soon. Bereshit, we'll be talking about that. We're very, we're, you and I are already excited about I'm talking really about Bereshit. And, and you also gave me off air, you gave me a, a good piece of advice that since this Sabbath is Yom Kippur, and uh, by the, just parenthetically, Yom Kippur uh, does not, uh, Sabbath doesn't move for anybody. Sabbath doesn't break for anybody except for Yom Kippur. Which is the Sabbath of Sabbaths. Sabbath of Sabbaths. Shabbat Shabbaton. Right. And also the other, by the way, is if you had a bad dream. Right, and you're you're allowed to you're allowed to uh, fast fast on, on Shabbat, but generally but, Shabbat. And by the way, you also have to fast afterwards for the fact that you fasted on Shabbat. That's right. <laughs> the doubling down. <laughs> Bang. Okay. Uh, so so, uh, you, what what were we saying that um, you have you said that, that that there's time now. We have about two weeks from now to get ready for the Torah portion. We're not. We're, we have two Sabbaths in a row, which we're not going to read the regular Torah portion. Uh, so it's really great time to get ready for. The Big Bang, the Big Bang, and I do believe there was a Big Bang, not in the uh, pseudoscience kind of way, but in the, in the Big Bang that the, the bet of Bereshit and the first word of Bereshit, when it, when it came into the world, that, that the knowledge that is just in that word, by the way, just in that word itself, there are, there are books, famous books that are written just about that word. Sure. Which book is it? Okay, that's the <laughs> trivia quiz for everybody out there. There's a book written, one of the mystical books is just about the word of Bereshit. I think it's one of the, I think it's Tikkunay Azor. But in any case, I think it's Tikkunay Azor. Uh, so check that for me, uh, 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 loyal listeners. That's number one. Number two, am I right? I think you're right. I'm I think sure. I'm right, right? And yeah. In any case, a tremendous Big Bang, you have, you have an opportunity to get ready for it. Speaking of Big Bang, Rabbi Mike, um, another Big Bang in our lives is the Shofar Blast. Yes. The Shofar Blast is like a Big Bang. My ears are still echoing. Right, and you had a good Rosh Hashanah this year. I had a great Rosh Hashanah. Right, and I had a great Rosh Hashanah as well. Uh, um, my, my custom is to visit our good friend Shmuel Goldman in the Golan. This year, did not fulfill that custom and stayed in Yerushalayim. Uh, and um, I went to two different minions. I went to uh, myself, not fully Ashkenazi in my, in my thing. Like, I don't, I don't feel that I'm a Ashkenaz, a holy Ashkenaz person. I feel like I'm some kind of mix. So, so on Rosh Hashanah day, first day I went to Ashkenaz, second day I went to Sephardic. And, and I listened to the shofar, and the experience was totally different. The Ashkenazi shofar on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, it was like this. It was like, we were looking down at the Temple Mount. Right. From where I was. I was at the Choshen, looking down at the Temple Mount. I heard the shofar, and it was like this. It was like, we are all in line to go into the gas chambers. Ooh. Yeah, we are in line to go into the gas chambers right now. We're stripped of our clothing. We know we're about to lose our life. So God, please have mercy in our souls. And, and, and my thinking is like, oh God, I'm going to die now. Please put my soul, send, push, uh, set, uh, what's it called? Pay it forward. Send it, uh, send send it, it on for, to the next. Send it on to the next body and may it have better luck than this one. I'm in. In the, and, and made the <laughs> right, and then I was looking down at the Temple Mount. I'm like, "Oh God, we are all like Isaac before you." Oh wow! And and we are just Isaac, and we're about to to. But we know that 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 You're we are going to save us, right? We know that that it's going all the way this time, and uh, and and like and like again, same type of thought. That doesn't sound so happy, right? It, it's well, it's not not happy, but but there's a truth in that. Uh, yesterday. My yesterday from from when I'm recording the show today yesterday my wife's grandfather, Grandpa Mike Yitzchak Yehuda, um, passed away 94. Wow, with uh, a tattoo of his Auschwitz number on his arm. Mm. Okay, and when he told us the tales, and also Grandma Grandma Kate, when they told us the tales, 
you're like you're like this is this isn't like something from 1492. This is like this happened to us, to our people. My 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 wife's grandfather, all of our Ashkenazi grandparents. So that's the shofar you hear. And when I was recently in Auschwitz with uh, Rabbi Shmuley Boteach, he took me into one of these gas chambers slash crematorium. Right. right? It's like this double. Yeah. It's like they back kill you, back. then they right. kill you again. Right. It and and it was not anticlimactic. It was indeed climactic. That's I couldn't help myself. That's what I heard at the uh, and also the way it's done in the Ashkenazi minion. It's slow and the and and the rabbi you know calls out which blast is supposed to be sounded and the, and it's and it's done according to the it's like something very didactic. Are they and, timing it there? You know they have they 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 Watch. have different ways to yeah. do it. Uh, they have different ways to do it. But yes. yes. Next day I'm at the Sephardic minion, right? Uh huh. And a, a kind of chubby guy who's not the rabbi and not the regular guy gets up there with the shofar. The shofar is a different looking shofar also. It looks a little bit lighter. <laughs> it doesn't have that kind of curl like, like of, of the ram's horn. It's like just, you're bent over right. in suffering prayer. No, it's got just, you know, just kind of a, just, it just kind of bends upwards one time. And, and this, this kind of chubby, nice guy in the shul got up there, he grabbed the shofar and goes, do, 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 And here's what I got in my head. Sounds like Star Wars. It was like, it was like, dude, it was, it was not deep and melancholy, and melancholy. It was not, oh my God, we're about, we're going to the gas chamber, it's over, so hey, God have mercy on our soul. It was more like, hey God, we know you're having a party. I'm standing outside of the door of the party and I'm ringing the bell. Let me into the party. I want to come into the party. And by the way, being me, your beloved son, you know, I need some Parnassa. I need some some welfare. Can you Everybody got to make a living. I need to, you know, hook me up. Hook me up. Abba, please. Come on, daddy. Come on, king. I love you. You know what I mean? Come on. But hook up, hook up a son. Come on. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm saying it in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a merry fashion, but the fact is, is that that is... That is a feeling that I felt there, and, and I feel that every year with them, they just, at the Sephardi davening. Now, I happen to, here I knew that my soul was 60-40. It yeah. was more towards the Ashkenazi. Yeah, it sounded you, like a stronger image to me. Right. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's nature and nurture. I don't know, but, but maybe because my family did go through the Holocaust, yeah. right? And there's, there's the Sephardic family generally did not. Generally. generally. There I, were some I, I, yeah, I don't, communities. I and I don't want in any way, uh, this is not... Who suffered more and any of that kind of stuff? And I'm in no way saying that the Sephardic one was in any way a, a lesser or or less deep. It, it was just a different relationship. It was just a different relationship to God. In fact, I was happy that I had that side, and I'm sure that I'm going to get more Parnassa this year because of that. <laughs> you and me both. But um, no, there's something actually very deep. I know, I know you're serious, aside from the fact that you're smiling. Uh, you know, the episode I did on the, the Jewish story. About this Ashkenaz. is your other show here this on the land of Israel. They have my history, so I, I personally which I'm call very it very much. By the way, which I personally call it the on the Crusades that when when the smile went out of Ashkenaz, right, right. That they, that if you look at the midrashim, you'll see the smile that used to be in Ashkenaz. And in round about the 11th century, that was a long time ago, by the way. The the smile went out. But one of the amazing things is that it's the uh, sort of youthfulness of Zionism in many ways, was driven by the desire of the youth of Ashkenaz to say, I can't live this way anymore. You know, we've been saying penitential prayers, the slichot, right, begging for forgiveness early in the morning or late at night, depending on what you do, now for a couple of weeks. And every once in a while, the thought crosses my mind as I'm reading these prayers, which are really about, like, either God, like, 
trample our enemies and let their blood soak your garments or God, I'm a sort of worm who has sinned before you. I often have this thought like this is not so healthy. <laughs> I, I, I am a bad slichos person. It, it is not is not something that comes easy to me. I find it repetitive. I find it uh, hard to read. The language um, is, is that, extremely it's, obtuse. It's an anachronistic language. It's um, every year I tell myself next year I'm going to dive with the Spartan. and because it, it's completely yeah. different. Yeah, it's completely yeah. different energy. Is different. It's totally different. It's, uh, oh. he, here, by the way, here just so people know, in Israel there's a great intermingling between Ashkenazic and Sephardic in Thank general. God. But when it comes to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, yeah, it's a big split. There's a split. Yep. And it's like that's like synagogues that pray together throughout the rest of the year, like split off. Yep. Uh, now I find it to be actually, I think this is very beautiful. But I, but I certainly want my children to have the Sephardic, the knowledge of the Sephardic prayers. And when I mean knowledge, I don't mean just awareness. I mean it's like a comfort with it, and comfort there with 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 th- that. That, 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 different, that different way of connecting. There's a piece that I'll speak about on, on my show going forward is that also all of the history of the Sephardic culture didn't pass through the crucible of the Enlightenment. And, and what you're getting in Ashkenazi culture is almost a demand based on the need for clarity of identity that, that um, the gas chambers be the natural end path of the martyrdom which was Ashkenazi culture, right? It's interesting. I thought you were going to go to a different place with that, and I'll just I'll just say it the way I understood it, which is, since the Ashkenaz world had a lot of tragedy, it started needing enlightenment, which was also to rationalize and understand what this world is supposed to be about. You can have a more uh, a more um, I don't want to misuse a word here um, a, a more a more simple in a, in a positive sense faith. Yeah. When it's not as challenged by things like the Holocaust, yeah. Listen, I, it's isn't it clear to me? The kind of it's it, in some way it's an answer to the Middle Ages. It's an answer to like well, a dark a, time, it's a, a re- dark thing. It's a rejection of right, and and it's also a rejection of all the traditionalist notions that God actually, you know, here we're coming through Rosh Hashanah, and I would love to speak more about this idea that, that God is making decisions that we're going to play out yes. for the rest of the year, yes, right. But it's a rejection of that. My point was, and it's not so clear by the way that Sephardim didn't suffer plenty. The Holocaust obviously takes the cake. Please God. <laughs> for for of course. for Jewish suffering, but but my point was more that the split that happened within Ashkenazi culture between the religious and the secular, mm-hmm. where it was was forged in the fires of the Enlightenment. It's in a very important part of Ashkenazi religious culture, in inordinately large part, our suffering, and I just don't right. think that that's so healthy. You're you're totally right, and just just to bring it down to to like what it looks like is that. Uh, in the Ashkenazi world in general, when a person becomes uh, unobservant, so generally speaking, except with the exception of the ability of Chabad to bring people back uh, and, and such uh, teshuva movements, in general, you split you split off the whole culture. It's a clean break. It's a clean break. In the Sephardic world, I'll never forget this. Uh, I was uh, with uh, my friend Jeremy Sultan in uh, Mevaseret. We went to a Kurdish. There's a lot of Kurdish Jews there, Kurdim. We went to one of their minyanim. Uh, one of their prayers, and there was a guy there wearing a white T-shirt, jeans. He had a crew cut, whatever that is, and uh, just the sides were shaved. He had a white kippah that was clearly not a, his weekday kippah, okay? It was something he put on for the synagogue. When they lift, and he looked nothing observant at all. When they lifted up the Torah, as we do, he held his hands up, and he said, and I saw his face when he said, Vizota Torah, this is the Torah that Moshe put in front of the Jewish people. It was the truest 
simplest and most emit this man believed with every morsel of his being that God that Moses put this Torah of God before the Jewish people I saw that and and in the Ashkenazi world you, you don't have that as nope. much you don't have that as often okay so we're, we're getting ready for um, for Yom Kippur now um, uh, before we go on just very quickly I do want to say I remembered you know the last few shows I like forgot my fourth sponsor because I've been running around and I forgot that my fourth sponsor is Django.net oh Django.net the source of information about everything life in Israel everything you need to know right everything you need to know to make it here in this land in this good land in our, this, our, our our beautiful our, our, our beloved Jewish state our beloved state of Israel um with all its faults, it's, it's, it's a wondrous and amazing thing. By the way, the prime minister gave an awesome speech at the UN I right heard. before Rosh Hashanah. I heard, yeah. I loved every word, and I didn't even understand at first. I was like, wow, that is the best speech I ever heard. I was like, dang. Why, why, why was this speech so good? And then I analyzed, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and then I'm like, he didn't mention Palestine, two-state, Mahmoud Abbas, my hand is extended in peace to you, blah, 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 and any of that junk, you heard it. <laughs> and, and, and they didn't see which, the look on your face which, when you yeah, said it. <laughs> which mires, mires a decent speech when you hear this stuff, which is just, how about we just you know, bring in the devil to take away our land, you know? And I was just, I, I realized that because of that, there was a ring. Let freedom ring. There was a ring, a, a, a crystal glass ring uh, of his speech because it just wasn't mired with extra junk. By the way, uh, today we're sitting here. Uh, yesterday, three Jews were murdered uh, in Har Adar next to Mephaseret uh, by a... a or, or three people were murdered. Three people, that's right. Two, it, it, one was an, one was, an, was an Israeli Arab, that's right. Uh, one was an Israeli Arab uh, and two uh, Jews were murdered by a terrorist who had no prior terrorism record, but what... His wife had left him uh, a few weeks beforehand. He was stuck with four kids. He was a violent person in a family life. And what could be better to support those four you know, children that he was growing than to get Palestinian Authority money by being called, uh, and I, I should say Palestinian Authority money, i.e. American money. Uh, and so he committed this, this heinous crime just to be called a, a shaheed and to get that, that money. That's number one. Today... Uh, two Israeli soldiers, reserve soldiers, were killed in uh, a training accident. In a training accident, when a, when a when a when a armored vehicle flipped over, uh, so there's definitely some some judgment in the air, shall we say? Hi, yeah. Listen, everybody should be healthy and well. But um, you know, there there is an aspect of of righteousness in seeing judgment that clearly. You know, I mean, not that I would wish for it, nor do I. You know, it was like, uh, would I be so arrogant as to pass judgment on other people's lives? But there is a blessing in in seeing the judgments in one's life clearly. Because mm-hmm. one of the great challenges I always find is coming through this period of time is, well, now I have to live my life as if I'm responsible for everything. I mean, right now I'm 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 so focused on this state of mind from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur that God, it's really all about you. You're you're fixing my livelihood for the coming year. You're gonna soon. We're gonna pray for the rains, and it's all about you. But then, like. Once we come out of the sukkah, it's kind of like, okay, now I actually have to live my life as if it's all about me. And that's a very hard tension to hold. You don't often get that clarity of God reminding you, no, no, this is really me. Isn't it? Isn't what you're saying really uh, the challenge of being a Jew and a human being in general, which is like, God, you've created every atom and every molecule in this world. Your will be done in the end, right? 
Uh, so, like, where's my? I mean, that's the ultimate where's question. The where's space my autonomy? For me? And and how much autonomy do you want me to take? Because I know you want me to take autonomy because that's the way you created the world. And you don't want me to be some kind of lump on a log, you know, waiting for you. You know, the famous joke, you know, uh, with the... with the I sent you two helicopters. Right, and all that business. So right. It's like, it's like so, so like, that, that isn't that one of the greatest tensions, especially for God-fearing, God-loving people who, 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 who want to use their life as a conduit for God's will. It's, it's definitely... I think um, it isn't def- it the it, tension itself though that is yeah the- yeah it, it defines the human condition but fortunately we have a model and other arenas in which we're perhaps more familiar because remember the the problem with that tension is it's it's a construct meaning I believe that but I don't necessarily experience it that's what I meant when I said that there is something powerful and and kind about feeling God's end of of the judgment. Right, it's very hard to walk in the world knowing intellectually or believing that that God's in charge. But but he made himself invisible. Yeah, but one's daily experience is like it's actually all about me. So the model <laughs> I find uh, that is quite helpful in accessing that is any real relationship you have, because you know you think about your relationship with your wife or any other loved one or a close friend. They of course want you to be you. That's why they entered into the relationship with it. But of course. Any relationship means that they also want things of you. They want you to reflect their will at times as well. But they want you to reflect their will because you want it. You know what I mean? There are times in which your wife asks you to do something and you do it because she wants it. And that's good. Obedience works. But really the things that our wives and loved ones really want of us, they want us to do because we want it. Right. And that's I want you kids to clean up the room because I want you to want it. I want you to want to live in a clean house. That's right. I want you to, that's right. By the way, do you know that this is the essence of Yom Kippur? No. Right, because what historical event happened on Yom Kippur? I'm talking about biblical historical, not. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know what it was? Uh, was it the smashing of the? No, that happened on the 17th of Tammuz, right? Right. But that sets us up. We're not going to. I won't drag you, you through the whole calculation. Moshe goes back up. There's 40 days. Well, first there's like three days of cleanup in the camp. There were a bunch of people getting killed, and the calf gets burned, and all that. <clears> right. <throat> he goes back up for 40 days. Right. Comes back down. On what day? Rosh Chodesh Elul, right. the first day of the month of Elul, right? Right, and says, and then he goes, "Now I'm going back. back now that I repaired the situation, to bring you the second tablet, I'm going back up to bring the second tablet." He comes back down forty days later, which is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. So you know what the essence of Yom Kippur is, right? We want for ourselves what God wanted for us all along. Okay, so that's interesting what you're saying. We wanted for ourselves what God wanted all along, and yet the 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 whole Yom Kippur. Um, service in biblical times was like the dance of a ballerina inside of an intricate stage. One ballerina moving back and forth and doing all these clock-like. I think yeah, it's very. It, there's a lot of precision involved. Lot, I for think sure. like a, like a, like a, like I look forward watching, to being able to watch it. Yeah, it's like it's like watching a clock. That's what it seems yeah, like for to sure. Me. This one, yeah. that one. If it's you were learning the Gemara in Yoma, it's, sure. it's pretty intense. Dun, dun, dun. Put that down, pick that up, change his clothes, wash your hands, get back in. That's what the music I thought of when I when I was learning. I have to work to get that out of my head before davening on Shabbos. Thank you very much. And it's like it's like it's like here's what I think, Rabbi Mike. Yeah. I'm sitting across from you right now. And you're thinking whatever thought you're thinking. But at the same time, your eyes are focusing Many, many times beyond your, uh, at every second. Sure. 
and, and there are synapses and neurons going off in your brain that you're not really in control of. Your heart is beating. Oh, for sure, yeah. And your lungs are doing the thing, the whole blood oxygen I mean, aside exchange. Aside from the autonomous nervous system, there are all kinds of thoughts that drift in and out. Right. Problems that are bothering me and things right. I'm trying to write. And, you know. But those, that's, that's already semi-conscious. I'm talking about the many things that are happening that are not conscious. Autonomous right? nervous system. Right. The whole, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing is not in our control. So when I think of like th- that is the the when I think of Yom Kippur, you're saying that it's our will. We want to do what God wants, and yet the the fulfillment of that is what like this high priest doing these hard to understand actions all by himself, and somehow he's representative of all of us. What's that about? You know, for sure he's representative of all of us. Um, and you know, there are many layers. When I say um, that that's what Yom Kippur is about, I mean that's one. You know, it's kind of like the sages say that the mitzvah tzitzit is, is you know, connected kulam. It's the equivalent of all the other mitzvot. And, you know, the mitzvah of learning Torah is the equivalent of all the other mitzvot. And they, right. like, in how the could, land of Israel. In the land of Israel. Like, I mean, and so, like, how could they all be? And the answer is, come on, just go with me. You know, we're rabbis. You know, so, so but part of that is there is an essence of Yom Kippur, which is about bringing myself to the place of wanting what God wanted for me all along. The, another piece, and I think that particularly the avoda in the Beit Hamikdash, the service in the temple, represents is a a, um, a restoration of relationship, which by definition is going to be defiled. Right. That 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 phrase that repeats itself in the liturgy, right? The right. That God's presence dwells amongst them in their impurity. Right. Right? That is the great mystery of Yom Kippur. Why would God create a situation in which we could be pure or impure and then promise us, and, and I'm with you no matter what, and then tell us to do this whole ritual to purify ourselves? Because that's really what's happening in the temple. There's this tremendous restoration. But doesn't that make sense? Listen, think about your car. You drive your car, and it needs, and, and, and you really drive it hard, and it needs... It needs tuning. It needs it needs yeah. to get back to as much of a perfected state as it can be, and you take it again. And a lot of it, I think, is also God giving us a sense of agency. I mean, the precision and the focus that you're speaking about, and it's true that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, is only one person, but he's one person. I mean, you know, all the metaphors are, are rife. He's one person that exists on top of a tremendous period, uh, pyramid, right? The very construction of the Beit HaMikdash, particularly in, in biblical and second temple times, was a mass public works project. Even today, please God, let it be soon, let it be now. Our technology is greater, but it's going to be a very big project. Oh, yeah. Right? And that's just to create the physical infrastructure, yeah. the educational infrastructure in order to produce this person, then the, the structure of purity of all the, the layers uh, that you have to go through in order to achieve that moment. So it's true he's one person, but he's one person who stands at the head of a, of a nation and he goes alone into that one place that only he goes one day a year, right? Because in the end of the day, all relationship has to be direct and personal. Though we speak of the national relationship to God, though we speak of our collective... But it sounds impersonal. No, it? no. It's a, it's a, he is the point of contact. Right. And one of the reasons that we all read his avoda, his service that he does on Yom Kippur, right. is we're supposed to bring ourselves to that point of believing... Okay, even though in the temple service I'm not even a Kohen, so I'm out of the out of the box right. altogether, I still have an obligation on this day to find that place where I come into contact with the Holy of Holies, with the deepest of the divine. And I have to believe that I can. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to know that you can. You have to. You have, yeah. to, you have, to, you have to really. Um, and that takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work. You. That's why we're in shul for you know who knows how many hours. That's why we remove all distractions. I knew. I knew a guy stood the whole Yom Kippur. Yeah. Stood the whole Yom Kippur at YU. I remember, in his socks, just did not sit down the whole yep. time. Then that is a. Uh, I saw that. That is a formula for getting rid of the punishment of karet. Of the ritual cutting off, right? Uh, when you're cut off from God, like one of the formula, kind of like mystical formulas, is stand all day on Yom Kippur. Yep. Which is, by the way, not so easy. No, 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 no. <laughs> it is no, 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 no. It's very, very hard. Very, very hard. Um, one more thing I do want to ask you about today is the issue of the um, what's it called again? The scapegoat. Ah, uh, see, so The Azazel. Which yeah. is not so far, far away, so far away from you where you live. Uh-huh. Is that why you have the Azazel Synagogue over there? Wouldn't that be a great name for a shul? <laughs> I no. think not. No. Considering modern Hebrew, where are you going? I said I'm on your Lech Azazel, or Lech Azazel. Right. Uh, that's just a, a Hebrew joke. In any case, <laughs> um, the Azazel is uh, what the feeding ground of. Of uh, of the devil, of the devil, <laughs> right? Of of the dark energy. Yeah. What's the other word for devil? Satan, right? Satan. That's the. Right? So it's like. It's gonna be a question. Right? <laughs> so it's like it's like um, go uh, feast on this for a while, Mister Satan guy. Yeah, let me throw one. Throw you a bone. I'll throw you a bone. Throw your bone. Throw a bone to the dark forces. Right. <laughs> one time I was in a Chabad event of some kind, and uh, somehow it happened that I got drunk. And no, the other people didn't. Oh, somehow I was. It was a failed Chabad event then. No, no, everybody else was <laughs> drinking, but somehow I got drunk. Ah, I got you. I may have had that more happens. than other people. What, whatever it was, I was probably on some kind of antibiotics or something. No, anyway, of course, no, you had me eating for three days. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Being Russian, you have to, of course, protest that it yeah. wasn't your fault. No, but it, it, any case, so I got a little drunk, and uh, and I was I was a little kind of you know it was a little funny, and then and then the Chabadnikim said, "That's okay, you were the Sir Lazazel." There is sometimes somebody who gets drunk. He's, he's, he's got to go over the edge. Goat, right. This one guy's got to do it, and this time it was you. But like we have a custom that such a thing can happen. That that's the, that's but the notice that language, by the way. Somebody's got to go over the edge. Right. And that's, of course, for people who aren't familiar, what you actually do. There's this scapegoat, right? And you bring these two identical goats. And, and one of them is Lashem. One of them is for God and is going to be the centerpiece of the most intense, intimate ritual done with God. And the other one's going over the edge. And they have to be identical. And, and, and over the edge in the desert. In the desert. Not only you have gotta, to be identical, you, gotta, you have to actually draw lots in order that which one is which is completely random. Right. And and you walk this thing to the desert, and there's little stops along the way. Right. I don't remember how many, maybe 24, I feel like. But uh, so there's a, there's an amount of stops along the way. At every way station, even though you're fasting, this this person that takes the, the scapegoat, there's, they're offering food and water. He kind of Cause, says no. Because it's permissible to him. Right, because he's walking in the desert, because he could could die out there, because right. he's he's you know, and he he generally says no, and then he gets to uh, a spot in the desert, which we have by the way found, which more most likely which mm-hmm. we have found, uh, Jabal Muntar, that was not, called that not so far away from you, uh, how how we found it, steep edge and and well, the Mishnah gives a pretty clear description of how far away right. it is. So and, it's just a matter, of and we found the the, the bones. We have bones? found bones. Yeah, we have found, but we found goat bones. bones. Yeah, goat bones just hanging out there in the bottom. You push the the goat over the edge. Goat's tumbling down. 
By the time it hits the middle, it's goat burger. It's <laughs> sorry. It's yeah. It's it's um, goat blender. It's 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 been it's been uh, you know and. Um, so what was what the is question? that about? You know what? Uh, what, 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 what the what? Azazel? <laughs> there's. It's just. They're, 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 um, the whole Yom Kippur thing. That's what, why did I say that thing? I know that I threw in something that didn't kind of. Uh, I maybe I not was not clear about why I was saying that. Because to me, about about the, your body and, and about our bodies, there's something about Yom Kippur which is to me like a little bit of like an X-ray. Like you're looking into a place. God is letting you into machinations, spiritual machinations, which are usually not we're not privy to. Yes. And there's like there's like actions going on, and you, as you said, you can read along. And see what's going on, and, and of of this clearing of some kind of spiritual baggage, and chucking it, and cleaning it, and starting a new. And he's kind of letting you in. It's a lifting of the veil. It's a lifting of the veil for a little bit. And when you lift the veil, you're like, dang, I don't even know what's going on yeah. here. Yeah, right. Have you ever looked at the sort of back end of a website? Right, back end of a website opened up on a piece of. You remember when we were kids? You know, you used to you just to open up the computer or the VCR. Right, or you look at the back, it. and you're like. How does that? You like work? you're like what are they you know or you played with your first motherboard you know right. you're like what is this what is this and and that's that's what it is to me like you open up and it's all it's all in the Bible it's all there and you know it's true but you're like I don't I don't really, get this yeah and I won't get this kind of right although at the risk of nevertheless venturing a thought on it I, I think that that the particular veil that's being lifted in the scapegoat is that place within us that can't imagine good without evil that can't imagine purity without impurity, right? And um, I do not believe that what we're doing is affirming the existence of evil, like the devil's out there and we got to give him his due. Right. Right? I think what we're doing is attempting to actually get to that place where we can believe in the existence of good without evil, where we can actually touch purity without having to define it by what it's not. And really? So, I thought, I, I kind of thought, no. I thought like, yeah, there is like evil. Go, I I, I would have thought exactly go, the opposite. Go what appease it? <laughs> Recognize that it's that it's a force in this life, and right now we have to somehow. And and there's other examples. Of this, for example, wait at the end of Yom Kippur, <clears throat> what do you shout out in shul together with everybody else? The Shana Yerushalayim. That's the very very end. Yeah. But what comes right before that? Shamu Elohim. Right. Shamu Elohim. God is, like God, right. But what does that mean when you speak about the kavanah, the intention, that, the that meaning? The whole world is, is. There's only God. Right. There's only God. Right. So wait a minute. If there's only God, then where are you sending that scapegoat? Because he created a world to play in, as you said, agency, a sense of like. And that agency exists primarily within the human mind. And that's what I'm saying. I believe that the particular veil which is being lifted there is that limitation of humanity. If you're going to put it in terms of Breshit of Genesis, we're stuck in the second story. We can't touch the first. You know in the first chapter of Genesis, there's good, but there's no evil? Sure. Evil only appears... There's the real Garden of Eden. Right. No, no snake. Well, but not even the real Garden of Eden. It's, it's something which is beyond... In the same way that that first light which God creates, right? The Midrash teaches us God hides it away for the righteous... Why? Because that first light actually allows us to see without shadow. You know, in this room right now, it's not the light that allows you to see. It's the shadow. If I took a giant flashbulb and right now and flooded this room with light, would we be able to see better? No, we'd be blinded by the light because it's the shadow that allows us to see. That's the human condition. And so therefore, what we're doing with the Sir Azazel is we're saying, that's not really true. 
right? That is That's our scapegoat because if I knew that that wasn't true, I wouldn't fail myself and I wouldn't fail God. That's why it's called a scapegoat. We're putting all our sins on it. Why? Because like the rabbis say, a person would never sin if a ruch shtut had not entered into them. Some foolish spirit. What's that foolish spirit? Is to believe that there's actually something other than God. Not ideologically. Deeper, like you said, we're pulling back the veil. I can ideologically believe there's only God, but I still do things wrong. How does that work? The answer is because deep, all the way in that, almost in that autonomous nervous system, the deep psychology, I do believe that there are forces other than God. The primary one being myself, by the way. Right, right. Okay, I can definitely understand what you're saying. And I'll, I'll spin it just a tad differently for, 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 for how I've understood it till now, which is that there is nothing other than God, but it's his world. And you have to accept that there is a Holocaust, there is Hitler, it's, it's, and he created it to overcome it. And even on Yom Kippur, there's a place of like nodding to the fact that this is his world and he created this kind of world. And, and the way to, to, to reach him is to play his game in this world. I just got to say that in my mind, <laughs> Hitler and the Holocaust had nothing to do with God. When people say to me, where was God in the Holocaust? The only response I have is when you can tell me where man was in the Holocaust, then I'm willing to answer your question. That, that, that it is humanity that brings evil into the world. Evil does not come from God. Okay, we're treading on, 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 <laughs> on, 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 on a... You just hit a real raw note for, no, it, it, for me. No, yeah, no, but, it, but I, I don't, I don't uh, you know... But then, you know, the, 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 the obvious question is, well, but... But he's the creator of all things. You have no question. Uh, he he put this impulse into this world. Like to me, it's more like I, I'll explain to you where I'm coming from. I I I wanted to go to like I was supposed to go to like some kind of you know get a doctorate somewhere you know instead of go to law school. But always in my mind, I was I was always trying to be more practical than mm-hmm. my than my inclinations were. Mm-hmm. And 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 yet and I meet people all the time who say to me, I'm like, why aren't you married? Because I don't want to play the game. I'm like, but the game is how you get married. Play the game, boy, because you're. If you you're, want to be married, that's right. how you get there. Or right. people say to me, "Politics is dirty," but I'm like, "But this is how you build a Jewish state," you know. And 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 or Yom Kippur is supposed to be about me and God. And what is this weird? And I'm like, "No, see, so you see, there's a you got to play the game. You gotta, you gotta, you know. God says to you, you you want to reach me, you gotta somehow shoo away the the you know the dark forces and focus on me. But that's part of it. Just right. like Abraham had to shoo away the vultures in the middle of a very spiritual spiritual moment. That's part of this this thing in this world. And that's and and you're not the boss. You're not the creator. And this is the way he says he's going to run this world. I agree with you. And I will I will double down on this idea that Yom Kippur is the day in which we actually don't have to play the game. Mm-hmm. You know that Yom Kippur people often look at it as the day in which we're all taking responsibility for everything we've done. The reality is I think that that's what Rosh Hashanah and the 10 days that lie between, the 10 days of, of, of tshuva. Um, Yom Kippur, in my mind, is the day when we look at God and we say, you know what, it's actually all your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> all your fault. It's you all know what, you. You know what my proof is? Aside from the fact that Rav Tzadok Lublin said this before me, is I'm dressed all in white. I'm not eating. There's an old custom of not sleeping. I'm not being physically intimate. I'm not, you know, wearing my, my fancy shoes. Nothing. And I'm looking at God. I'm in shul all day. And I look at God and say, listen, God, when I don't have to eat and I don't have to sleep and I don't have any bodily desires, look what I do. I stand here and I pray all day. Right. Ah, who made me this way? Mm-hmm. You made me this way. Right. So today I'm going to look you in the face, God, and say, by the way, it's all your fault. And, and, and that's okay. You remind me of a very beautiful story that I must tell here. 
and the story is brought down in uh, in uh, in the uh, famous um, famous book about Hasidic tales about the holidays and the Torah, uh, Red Book. In any case, the story goes like this: uh, One time, a Hasid came to um, to the, the famous uh, 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 advocate for Israel, Levi Yitzchak Mibardichev. And he says to him, I want to learn about how you do kaparot. You know, when we swing the chickens over our head or the money over our head, I want to see how you do it. So he says to him, what do you want to see? What do you, what, if I have a red chicken or a black chicken, what do you, there's nothing to see. It's a regular. He goes, I still want to see. So Rabbi Levi says to him, you really want to see? You want to see how you do kaparot? He's like, yeah. He's like, go to this and this house and this and this village. Okay, so he goes to this and this house and, and this and this village. And it turns out that that place is an inn, an inn for drinking, uh, like a bar. An ancient bar, and the old where they let you sleep. No, they don't. They, they, it's more like a like a. That's a kretschmer. It's a kretschmer. So it's it's more like a bar. What we call a bar today. Anyway, it's a Jewish place, but everybody inside are Gentiles, and they're just drinking and doing their thing. Finally, at midnight. Oh, so he says, the guy says to the to the uh, to the owner, "I want to stay here tonight." He says, "No, you can't." This that he begs him. He says, "Fine, you could sleep here in the corner." Anyway, he lies down at about midnight. The the owner of the house kicks out all of the drinkers and the house is full of smoke and stinks but he opens up the windows and all the smoke goes out right and the owner of the house says to his wife he says wife please bring me the uh this in this book and he opens up and she brings him the book and he opens up this book and he says god tonight is your Yom kipper and I want to tell you my sins. And he starts reading. On this and this date, I miss Man Kriyashma. On this and this date, I said Lashon Hara. On this and this date, I, I acted not right with my children. On this and this date. And he goes on and on in his dishonesties and his small things and all the infractions, list by list, day by day, time by time, list the whole thing. And he, and he closes the book and he cries and he says, God, I'm not worthy. How could I stand before you? How could I stand before you with why I'm so dirty and so, and so, and so uh, sullied? When he finishes crying, he says to, the, to his wife, he says, wife, please bring me this other book. And he opens up the book and he reads it and he says, God, on this and this date, I was walking and suddenly I was jumped by, uh, by bandits and they beat me and took my money. On this and this date, my daughter passed away. On this and this date, and he goes on and on a list of things that horribly happened. He says, God, you, I, I pray to you to have a good year. Oh, he said, in the first book, he says, God, I pray to you that I would be better this year, and I failed you. When he finishes reading this book, he says, I pray to you to have a good year, but you didn't come through. I had all these, these horrible things. He goes, however, tonight is the eve of Yom Kippur, and we must make amends. So how about I forgive you, and you forgive me, and we break even. He takes these two books, spins it over his head in kaparot, and he chucks it out the door. That's the Hasidic story. That's a good story. Of... of uh, of 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 the the proper kaparot, and I think that's what you were talking about just yeah, now, also, which is for like, sure. you know, here I am, God, I would I would be great in front of you if, if you didn't put such a hard world, world right, in front and, of it, us. and it is really all about you. All right, uh, Yom Kippur is uh, we touched on the on the just the edge of the spoon of uh, of the great things that Yom Kippur is capable of. The great secrets I still understand that it's like an X-ray into a world that's that's almost beyond us to understand. Um, and and we have a great chance at, at expiation to start the world, to start our life anew, right? Yeah, well, it's an incredible thing to make the space, and and I don't just mean in time, but I mean in in an inner space of a of a real belief that you can actually start anew, right? It's it's one of the greatest gifts. That's why it is the day of mercy, 
right? The great day of Rachamim. To understand in Rachamim in Hebrew, its root word is Rechem, which means womb. Right? And the womb is the ultimate making space for another one to emerge. And, and, and that's what God does for us on this day. Amen. He says, if you show up, I will make space for you to have a new year. Let us commit ourselves right now to emerge anew. Uh, with The only difference is we can emerge anew, but not like babies. We can, we can have our wisdom intact. That's right. And yet all the dross leave that uh, behind. That, that part can be buried. Uh, once again, I'm now going to be committed to St. Kaddish uh, for now my Grandpa Yehuda, from uh, Yitzchak Yehuda, for Grandpa Mike. Uh, and I, That's I, a big commitment. Yeah. No, I've, I'm committed right now to three other people. They're all family. So now, but now I have all the way till next Elul. But I want to tell you that whenever I have an extra Kaddish, I also say Kaddish for myself that was yesterday. Okay, the Kaddish of whoever I was yesterday, I'm no longer that person. I'm starting again anew, but only wiser and better. Folks, this show, the Yishai Fleischer Show on the Land of Israel Network is brought to you by, as we mentioned before, Janglo.net. Also, this Rosh Hashanah, I was uh, quite privileged to be wearing a brand new talit with techelet, with uh, the, uh, the blue string, the blue dye, uh, the indigo dye. Uh, from ancient times has been reborn in our time. It is really the sign of the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel and the return of God's knowledge into our minds at this time. It is, in a sense, the, the signature of our return to this land. You can be part of this great Tchelet revolution. You could be, as Rabbi Mike called it, a true blue Jew by going to T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T. I'm very proud to be a brand representative for Tchelet uh, T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T dot com. And my sister said to me, uh, you have like a Nike deal. <laughs> I'm like, I have a Nike deal. That's right. I have a Nike deal, you know, and, and I'm really excited. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Oh my gosh, that's exactly right. It's, it's, it's really one of the greatest mitzvot there is and it's, it's part of the whole, the whole thing. It really, the whole schwung. The whole schwung. Oh, and I got my son, six-year-old. I learned from my good friend, uh, Reb uh, Mayor Eisenman, great tour guide. I, I learned from him to even put it on my son. My six-year-old son got Tchelet this year. Fantastic. I also want to thank the good folks at um, Jbrick, jbrick.com, a great Jewish way to play with Jewish Lego and to make it, you know, construct Jewishly. Uh, so check out jbrick.com and let me know what you order. If you, if you order something, I want to hear from you. Uh, I want to also thank the good folks at Hebron, especially hebronfund.org, holding down the fort, the Alamo of our people. Right? Uh, let's choose a different metaphor. Yeah, that didn't end well. D- d- yeah, it didn't end well, but it's hold, the hold, <laughs> holding it down, holding it down certainly, and it is the, the founders of our, of our peoplehood and the Jewish community, the brave Jewish community that surrounds it. Is How about this? The Knights of the Machpelah. Okay, do you like that? We're like the Knights of the Machpelah. You don't like Knights, and I know why. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. In any case, however you want to view it, the Jew- brave Jewish community in Hebron protects it and keeps it open for the rest of us. So please uh, go to hebronfund.org, donate uh, as an excellent source of expiation for your sins. So w- what a great opportunity for that. Uh, furthermore, another great, another great uh, institution is the Land of Israel Network. And there are many great shows, including Rabbi Mike's other show, which is called The Jewish Story. You can reach Rabbi Mike at Mike at thelandofisrael.com and on his Facebook page, Rav Mike. You can reach me just by typing in Yishai Fleischer into Google in a myriad of ways, a myriad we'll of faces, uh, uh, you know, a myriad of, 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 uh, of channels will open up to you. Uh, choose your favorite one. 
the only one that I, I I must say that I'm not there anymore is I'm not on MySpace anymore. But and I've never been on. I don't uh, even know what that is. That's an old one. It's just a joke. Uh, I'm not on AOL. I'm not on MySpace. But I and I'm also <laughs> not on what's the ones the kids use these days? Snapchat. Snapchat. I'm not on uh, or Googly Faces. I like to think of it. I'm not on Googly Face either. But other than that, you can reach me. But really, trying to reach me and Rabbi Mike is fine. But uh, this these ten days, uh, reach out to G D. Found a W W. No, he's not found on the internet. He's found everywhere. Just look up to heaven. You could reach him. Uh, certainly, if you want to fly into the country, uh, it's recommended right now to the land of Israel. Uh, if you can't fly into the land of Israel, concentrate on the land of Israel and bring your your soul uh, into um, into into the Jewish story and into uh, the the high priest who will stand soon in Jerusalem and fulfill the Yom Kippur uh, Avoda. Let it be soon, let it be now. Rabbi Mike Foyer, thank you so much for joining me. It is always a pleasure, and you should be written and sealed into the Book of Life in the coming year. V'chen Lemar, God bless you, Rabbi Mike, for Parnassah, for health, for Hatzlacha, for continued uh, broadcasting, and success in child-rearing as well. We, we, Amen. We, we, are, we are always broadcasting to others, but we have to remember our little kids who sometimes lag behind when we're public people, etc. So it's very important to do that as well. And I bless all of you with, with good child raising, good child rearing, and children if you don't have them, and all the good things that you need and wish for. God bless you, folks. And folks, one more thing I bless you with, no fear. No fear. Overcome all fear about personal, uh, uh, taking personal responsibility, extreme responsibility, uh, loving your spouse, finding your spouse, raising your children, and fighting the bad guys, and knowing what the truth is, and proclaiming it loud and clear. God bless you wherever you are. Stay tuned, and shalom. What does it mean to be a Jew in the land of Israel as a Jew in Judea? What is our message to the world? We're finally back in our land, and we get to ask these questions. Bezrat Hashem, we're going to make Judea and Samaria an issue for the entire world to know that the Jews have a place in the world. Israel Inspired with Arya Bromwoods and Jeremy Gimpel on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.